Literature and Psychology by Dr. Saideh Malik Afzali, Dr. Daniel Rockers, and Dr. Alex Andrade from Tabana Organization. Tabana is a non-profit mental health organization organized in Sacramento, California. Tabana seeks to help individuals and families to strengthen their capabilities and to thrive. Aired on Saturdays and Sundays from 12 to 1 o'clock weekly. Hello to our Radio Bamdad listeners. Uh, I'm sitting with Dr. Daniel Rockers, Dr. Alexander Adi. This is Dr. Saideh Malik Afsali speaking. Today, as we were talking about the James Webb Telescope, we um, began to converse about this and we decided to talk about science in our today's world and how science and psychology are pretty much connected because psychology is a science. And um, basically the more you know about neuroscience and psychology, the more you know about science, the more you realize how much this is involved in psychology. But um, I want to begin this with um, thanking Dr. Rockers who is more involved into psychology and science. And as I we were talking about James Webb Telescope, I realized that he has a lot of information. So we decided today to talk about um, science and how research works in today's world. But first we were talking a little bit about the Webb Telescope and I'm wondering what was your, just as by way of introduction of this whole thing, what was your interest in it, side day. Why were you so interested in it? I think it's very cool, and I've been interested I, too. Yeah, I actually didn't know Galileo was the first person who actually realized that it's not only the Earth that is the center of the entire universe. So that was very interesting to me. And also I was listening to the, a conversation about this James Webb telescope. And the most important thing that was amazing to me was how the scientists could calculate all these details that they were so sure um, were spending millions of dollars, spending all this time and energy. And um, I heard that there are thousands of people working on, on this particular science piece. And uh, as far as I know, it's more than $10 billion so far on this um, project. But the, the thing that amazed me was how assured should the research be and this bunch of scientists that are ready to spend this much money, imagine $10 billion and imagine thousands, 10,000 of people working on this. Imagine European countries, Canadians organization, United States, it, it's huge. But how assured could these scientists be that they're running such an amazing project but everything so far has been working in every second that 
they have actually um, um, predicted. It's a very cool thing. And I think that the way science knows the things is it's from the computations and the numbers, the statistics, the, the mathematics of it all. That's an important part in psychology, right? We want to have, we want to know as best we can. And that's why the movement of psychology is in the area of empirical basis, empirical meaning numerical or supported by computations and calculations. And the number of calculations and computations that go into something like that telescope are pretty, pretty amazing. So as psychologists, we study statistics and we rely a lot on empirical basis. It's an important part of our background. Alex, how about you? Did you enjoy the empirical part of your degree? Like for me, I've always kind of liked math, but some of the statistical stuff at that time, I didn't really dig it. Now, when I look back on it, I think it's pretty cool to know about it. I like knowing about it. What was your, how was your, what was your experience like? Yeah, it's actually interesting. I uh, was interested in math early in my um, academic career, but the higher that I went up in math, the less interested I became in it. And so uh, by the time I got to statistics, uh, both in uh, undergrad as well as grad school, there's definitely a, a, a lot of challenge, a, a lot of effort in order to kind of learn and grasp it. Not the not conceptually as much as just the formulas and uh, you know the actual mathematical computations. That was definitely something that was challenging. Um, along those lines, it it reminds me too. I think one of the things that is important to remember in statistics is there's a level of certainty that we can have. Something has to be statistically significant as we call it in psychology, but there's still also a little bit of room for error. And I think it's one of those things where even with math, even with you know statistics, it's never a hundred percent. We could say, well, this, 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 you know, project that we're working on, it's a hundred percent going to work this way. No, there's a still a little bit of variability, but there has to be a level of certainty to a significant amount before sometimes things are proceeded forward in that way. So I think that's something that uh, a lot of times people say, nope, that's the math. Like it's a hundred percent of the time. It's like, yeah, there's some unexpected influence, things that we can't always fully account for uh, that we have to also consider. So it's nice both two ways. One, it's measured to a level where there's a, a degree of confidence that we can say, we're 95% sure that this is going to happen, but there is a little bit of slight room for error. So that in that, in that room for error is not just, oh, it can go bad or it can go wrong, but oh, that we can kind of recalculate, readjust, uh, readapt in those ways. And, and yeah. for me it was because we know how important it is to have effect size that is, uh, you know, this and that, and also um, the fact that, as you said, the error of measurement, but something that is so precise, the reason that was really huge to me was with the knowledge we have from statistical issues that we uh, learned in psychology with all the treatment, with all the scientific, empirical scientific research that we know about. Um, 
a, a huge program like this, imagine how many statisticians, how many scientists are sitting there and they are trying to do this with probably zero mistakes because every little mistake can ruin the whole thing. I don't know about that part, but I was just imagining with statistics and scientistical part of psychology that um, we know about, there's room for little mistake, but also I know there's incredible, uh, what was it? Uh, incremental validity and uh, attenuity, if I'm pronouncing it right, which would measure the minimum of the error, even if it's left. Um, and all these things that we learned in the statistical um, issues with psychology, but with a project this big, like James Webb Telescope, how could they be so precise that so far, every second of all the predictions has, has gone right? And, and we hope it goes right to the end of it, but um, I'm just wondering how this is happening. I think if you look to the history, I'm reading a book on uh, rockets and rocketry and the early days of rockets. And this book was written way back like in 57. So it really did capture the early days, but it explains it in a technical way. One of the most important things that they went over was the number of missions or trials that they had to do with every new development in order to get it to where it was reliable. They just had to do a lot because it's really the process of discovery. And the process of discovery is a lot different than the process of implementation as well. And then there's the theoretical aspect of things. So learning about things and computing what those things are is different than the process of getting them there. So for example, in the web telescope, computing that location where the telescope was to reside, which is the L2, the Lagrange point two, those can be computed and those are known. And there's not really much debate about that. The problem really is, okay, we've got that. Now, how do we get this equipment up into that point? And once we get it to that point, how do we get the thing unfolded such that every single step goes correctly? Because wasn't, wasn't part of the issue on that web telescope that it had like 800 of these separate unfolding movements that had to go and each one, if it didn't work, then the rest of them wouldn't work. Do you remember hearing that? Side yeah, a? absolutely. Yeah. Every little piece is connected to the other and how they all had to be so precise that the next step goes right. But the other thing um, that was really um, important and fascinating was time machine. Time machine? The time machine, they said, this can take the time to past. It can go back to time. 300,000 kilometer in second, um, it, will, um, it will show them the moon the way it was or is. Um, one and a half second 
uh, we are different from actual time. And um, the sun, eight minutes, it's again different from the time we um, are feeling it. The time so, it takes for light to for reach light us to reach from there. Okay. Um, so I was just thinking that um, it can take us to that eight minutes back. It can take us back to that one and a half seconds back. That time machine thing is amazing. That is quite amazing. And it says, I mean, I, according to my listening, it says it could even take us to milliards years before. This is right. amazing. Those things that we're seeing in other galaxies, are, are how, what we're seeing now is what happened millions of years ago. Yeah, which is, like, uh, like 14 milliard before us. Can you imagine 14 milliard years before us? That's, yeah. I want to jump, though, back to something we were saying before, and that is that the sequence of steps, like in the unfolding of that telescope, are so important on each previous step. And in a way, there's a similarity to psychology and the empirical work we do, but in a way, it's also a little bit different because as human beings, we are actually a way more complex than those. But there's also that important piece that just as the difference between cooking and baking, in cooking, if you mess something up, you can a lot of times repair it. You can make change and keep going. In baking, there isn't that, you know, you screw up a step, the finished product pretty screwed up. In psychology, if we miss a step, there are often things that we can go back and do a repair on in a way. And it frequently happens because as human beings, we're so complex. There are so many things that we can't account for every single thing. What it means to me, and I, I would like to hear from each of you, what it means to me is that we need to pay attention to the empirical data because that gives us a pretty good guide, but we also need to stay open to just the in infinite possibilities that people bring to us and all the different circumstances and experiences that they've been through. So one of the other things that, that is interesting to know is the whole purpose of this is to know if there are other existences in other places. So they are trying to figure out if um, in other um, places in universe, there's um, um, any species. Uh, oh, any, yeah, that exists. So that is interesting if we find out uh, about that, because it doesn't seem that we Earth is the only place for resistance of species. So they're, they're trying to find this out. And I heard today on news that um, Elon Musk and another young millionaire who is uh, about 34, 35 years old, I forgot his name. Is it Jared? Some, someone, probably you guys know his last name. But anyways, he has also invested in this new launching of um, ship to um, to find out um, more about um, 
existence of other um, um, human being or any kind of life uh, species in Mars. How and important do you think it is for us to, to know. know about other signs of life? Well, what I heard today, because Elon Musk wants to know if um, we have uh, other opportunities for human being, for a species in other places that we can expand. Because uh, the earth, as we know, is changing and there are so many danger that um, we may face for future um, you know, uh, generations. So what he is thinking, if the, there's a place, let's say if there's possibility in Jupiter, um, that we can also have some work to do, then we can expand our universe. Hmm. Let's get Alex to weigh in on this topic here. I haven't heard much from Alex. <clears throat> I have several thoughts. Uh, first and foremost, uh, going back to what you said, Daniel, too, I think we do need an openness to kind of learning you know, as we're researching something. And so this idea that it, it's a, it's a, a tentative process, it's fluid. I think it's tricky, uh, both what I've, what I've, from what I've learned in a lot of sciences is that, you know, if we state concretely, this is what's going to be, and this is what's going to happen, we don't allow the opportunity for real life or things that we could not have anticipated. And so this idea of, I think openness and flexibility even applies when we're talking about some of these hard scientists, some of my favorite shows are, are these sci-fi shows or these science shows. And that's always the most interesting, intriguing part. They plan for everything, they've calculated it out, and then you have the human element or just the unexpected. And so it's one of those things where it's like, okay, well, if you just say, well, nope, it, it was supposed to happen that way. Now there's nothing we can do. No, we, we have to kind of keep on our toes. We have to be open to like what else can happen, whether it's planned or anticipated or not, so that we can kind of pivot and adjust as need be. And I think that's, that to me is like a real sign of intelligence. That's a real sign of, of knowledge is not just having the answer, but also being able to think through an unanticipated problem in that way. And I think for a lot of researchers and a lot of scientists to be successful, you, you can't be concrete. You have to be open. You have to be flexible in that way. Isn't, um, but isn't part of science the discovery of those problems? The discovery of yes. what it wasn't that I thought it was going to be like this. Wait a minute. Here's a thing I didn't think about. Isn't that the thing where we should be open to? Like finding out, oh, this didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's a combination of what we anticipated, but we can't always anticipate what we didn't expect at all. And so it's even as those unanticipated kind of things might occur we're able to try to navigate that, try to adapt in those situations. I think adaptability maybe would be the, the biggest thing that I think of when it comes to science. It's not just, this is, you know, like you said, with the, getting the parts together for the telescope, they're probably gonna have to be adaptable in how they execute that. And so they can, you know, calculate, at, at what point do all the calculations that you're doing result in inaction at some point yeah you have to try you have to, to to put that effort forth and see 
okay, how can we make this work? So I think it's this balance between preparation, planning, calculations, as well as saying, oh, wait, let's find what we can do. And so obviously something like that, probably extreme, you're not going to leave a lot of space for variability. I'm thinking maybe a softer science, uh, such as psychology, there has to be a little bit more adaptability and flexibility in that way. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely kind of on the spectrum in regards to, you know, what type of science we're talking about, uh, you know, what's at stake, you know, these types of uh, studies, these types of research, probably like Saide has mentioned, millions, billions of dollars being spent, a lot of people working on it that you want is probably minimal error as you can have, as well as, uh, you know, these backup, you know, scenarios, these backup options as well. All right, I know there's a very interesting conversation. We got to our break. Uh, we come back and continue our conversation. Shenvandegan Aziz Radio Bomdad, man betfaq Dr. Daniel Rockers va Dr. Alexandrade emruz dar khidmatun hastim. Qismat avval sohbatemun rojbe علم به طور کلی و اینکه چه ارتباطی با روانشناسی داره و بعد ما شروع کردیم راجع به این پدیده جدیدی که فکر همه رو به خودش مشغول کرده جیمز به تلسکوپ صحبت کردیم چون دکتر راکرز علاقه زیادی به ساینس و علم علوم مختلف داره و ما در روانشناسی به خاطر کلن تمام تحقیقاتی که روی تیوری ها و داروها و تریتمنت های مختلف میشه همه بر اساس فرمول بر اساس آمار و یه بخش بزرگی از روانشناسی هستش مقصد وقتی میرسیم به درجه دکترا باید حتی ریسرچ های خودتون همه قابل به صلاح باشه اثبات کردن باشه و ما چون با این مسئله خیلی آشنا هستیم و روانشناسی هم یک علم هستش ما خیلی علاقمند شدیم که راجع به این مسئله صحبت کنیم اگر رادیاتون رو تازه باز کردین و صدای ما رو میشنوین ما یک بریک کوتاه میگیریم برمیگردیم دنباله صحبتمون رو ادامه میدیم
We're back with Dr. Daniel Rockers and Dr. Alexandradi. This is Dr. Saide Malik Afsali speaking. We began our conversation about science and the importance of science in psychology. We know in psychology, statistics is a big part of psychology because most of the treatments, most of the theories, a lot of information that we have in psychology is related to all the testing, all the data, and data is a big part of the treatment in psychology. So um, we ended up um, talking actually about the uh, new information that everybody is really interested in, and that is James Webb Telescope. We talked about that, and if you just turn on your radio, you're listening to us, the whole first part of our conversation was about that, and now we are continuing on co our conversation about the importance of science in our everyday life, and also what this new era that we are living um, with regard to science is going to bring um, in our life. And one of the other things that uh, I wanted to bring up is why did this uh, was named James Webb? And the reason was the person who was an administrator in the previous um, discovery and previous work, his name was James Webb. And that's why this became the name for him. And um, this actually has been worked on from 30 years before. And um, the name of this telescope is under his name. It has a six and a half meter uh, and 10 times bigger than Howell, which was the previous one. And it works in the red, um, what do you call it, the red? Um, uh, ray? Is it the red? Um, um, uh, uh, like the infrared. Infrared, exactly. Infrared, infrared. And uh, it has uh, 1.5 million um, distance from us um, in a way that Earth and um, the sun, their uh, attraction is the way that there's a place in that um, air that doesn't move, which you explained is uh, Lagrange two um, Lagrange, and the Grange. And the position is the way that uh, doesn't need any fuel. So that's the important part. But what was important to me as I was looking at some of the things I was uh, taking notes on was, um, 344 different things they have to happen for this telescope to work. 344 pieces next to each other for this like, telescope to you work. You mean sequential work. steps or pieces of equipment? Uh, no, I think sequential of events okay. because the way I have it, it's like 344 different issues next to each other. They have to go in sequence probably that this telescope needs to work. And, and um, most of it has been done actually. So the technology has shown that everything so far has gone to a point that they were supposed to, which is very, very precise work of technology that so far didn't have any issues. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. The computations involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 
um, I was just at the moment I was listening to all this, I was just thinking definitely our hat off to these scientists that they put their time and energy and life into something for the good of generations to come. This is the important part that day and night they've been working. It's been working on this 30 years now to take place. Amazing, you know, and tens of thousands of scientists, engineers, um, people were working on this project. And now it happened to be in work. Alex, earlier you mentioned uh, that psychology was a soft science. Can you talk a little bit about what does that mean? Because it seems to me when I was in the middle of my stats class, a lot of, a lot of hard math stuff going on there. Definitely. I think it's one of those things where there's a lot, there are some hard parts of it, if you will. And that's when we talk about research. I think it's some of the, the softer sides of it are, and I don't just mean being emotional or just being sensitive, but uh, those ideas that when somebody comes to therapy, there's not this structured uh, verbatim kind of uh, script that you read that is going to uh, kind of work uh, for everybody. Now there are treatment manuals and treatment kind of guidelines, but I find that we have to adapt the science to the individual. So it's a little softer in that way where it's not just, here's the equation, you plug the person in, and then it's going to solve or fix or, or help that person in that way. Um, you have to really tailor it to them, understand their experience uh, be flexible and adaptable to how they integrate information, uh, how they understand some of the things that we're talking about, and most importantly, that we understand them so that we can help and support them to make some of the strides that they're seeking. So a lot of times it's not as, as a hard science, which, as we've talked about, a lot of calculations, little room for error. Uh, so that's kind of what I meant by a softer science in that way. Okay. Okay. Inside Day, you have a fascination with that web telescope and all of the science involved in that. Is that because you like the science and psychology or is it because it's like a counterpoint to the science of psychology? Do you well, think? all of that. I mean, I am so interested in neuroscience and psychology. And actually, I was just thinking I would love to focus on neuroscience, because I love the fascination of how our brain works, how all these um, neurotransmitters work, how the 100 different hormones in our body works, and how all these are connected. And um, it's, it's fascinating to me, science. Um, although I was never so much interested when I was younger, um, and I always thought science is not something that I was going to go for it, but I guess the more I understand how our brain works, which is minimum compared to what our brain really is about, but as much as has been discovered, it's fascinating to me, well, especially um, the physio part of the psychology is, is really, um, to me, 
makes so much sense when you know more about how these electrical and chemistry of the brain works. So it is interesting, but to go back to your question, how I became more interested in this, I think the scope of the work is just amazing. And just think about the time machine, think about, you know, if finally we discover that in Jupiter, there's a place to live and how in the future we can actually purchase a ticket to go and visit. And I mean, it's just, it takes you to the wonderland to think what it may come to our future, you know. I mean, thinking about there's another place like Earth and there are other people that they're already living there. Can you imagine what's going to be like or even information that we are receiving or, I mean, it's just, it just blows my mind thinking about every piece of if this happens, if, you know, there is a place that there are people there too besides the earth it's it's just fascinating it's kind of like alex your interest in science fiction as well right is that yes. kind of the same fascination yeah it's kind of yeah i think more of along the lines of like how will people what would the impact people will have on those destinations like mars and other inhabitants you know other other planets uh you know will we try to inhabit those uh, will we try to, you know, kind of extend ourselves from beyond Earth in a way that's, I always think of it as not, probably not beneficial to the galaxy or to the universe as much as it is uh, advantageous for us in that way. And so, uh, yeah, I think of it, I, I think of that side too, though, as I mentioned, you know, life and the possibility. But uh, yeah, I, I'm always drawn to the movies where, mankind goes and just kind of ruins everything for everybody so <laughs> that's always my uh, my kind of spin on it a little bit well isn't that really this our history i mean yeah like every every culture every population's history has pretty much gotten in the way of some other population or group yeah. right humans displaced animals humans displaced other humans it's is still happening yeah you know we go to new places and we leave trash or we change the place when we go there we've left trash on the moon already there's trash on mars now that we left yeah i mean not somebody else probably left some too but i know we did yeah um yeah, that, that, that's yeah that's my negative take on it too yeah daniel do what what is your what engages you in in all this uh, this discussion as well as like the idea of even traveling in that way I, for me, the fascination is the, the new concepts and possibilities and new ideas. That is what fuels me. It's like, I love learning about new things, new ideas. And I think about how did people figure that out? Like side A, you were talking about the Lagrange points that there's the point when you have two massive bodies like the sun and the earth, where a third smaller object that doesn't have much mass at all can be parked and it will stay there. And that's the, the Lagrange point L2, which is where the web telescope is. How did, when I first learned of Lagrange point, 
I was like, how do you compute that? And I wanted to go look up the equation for it. And then I could see in order to compute that equation, you have to know this other stuff before that. And I just thought, well, how can, how do you do that? I would, how cool would that be to do that? As I get older, I just find that for myself, I'm so much more fascinated and open to things like, how do people do that? Whatever that is, you know, whether that's making croissant dough or puff pastry dough or building a glider or computing L2 or understanding orbital dynamics. How cool is that? I just think that is so fascinating. And I just love the new ideas that are involved and you can compute some of those things and, and reliably do so, like you know. Like in the baking realm, the science part of it is just very fascinating. Some because it's just cool to do, but others because, you know what, if you know that stuff, you can start creating new things that are very cool. Things that other people haven't even thought of or maybe haven't thought of, I don't know. So that's for me, that's what I like about it. I yeah. just love the discovery and the new ideas. It's just very fueling. And you always hear that uh, there is only one person of the whole population who are super smart, that they're basically running the world in many ways, you know? So when you think and you divide all these sciences, when you think there's some people out there that their number is very, very limited, but they're top-notch people in different sciences or in different parts of just life in general, that they're coming up with all these great ideas and they can solve issues that, you know, nobody's mind before that had been able to. And that part is fascinating, as you said, Dan, that there are people out there, their number is very, very limited, you know, um, and there are the ones that they're making all this happening. And we learn from their exploration, we learn from their um, science research and all that, and then maybe the rest of the people, and probably that percentage is also still low, maybe 5% you hear that maybe they can, they're able to understand it and follow. And the rest are just, you know, doing their work and, you know, appreciating the science, appreciating all the changes. Um, and then who knows how many of those um, run into other, you know, discoveries. But anyways, we got to our second break and I want to um, just say some words in Farsi. شنوندگان عزیز رادیو بامداد خوشحال هستیم که امروز با همکارانم دکتر دانیل راکرز و دکتر الکساندرادی در خدمتون هستیم. من دکتر سعیده ملک افزلی هستم. اگه تازه رادیوتون رو باز کردین صدای ما رو به زبان انگلیسی میشنوین. ما روزهای شنبه و یک شنبه تحت عنوان فرهنگ و روانشناسی Culture and Psychology ما یک ساعت صحبت داریم تقریبا با بریکاش و امروز صحبتمون راجع به علم در روانشناسی و صحبت های جانبی این تاکنون بوده و یک بریک کوتاه میدیم دنباله صحبتمون رو ادامه میدیم
گل بکاری از دل گل گل براری در زمستان در باران زیر باران گل بکاری گر بخواهی Dr. Daniel Rockers and Dr. Alexandrade. This is Dr. Saide Malik Afsalia speaking. We are at the last part of our conversation. The first two parts of our conversation started with science and psychology and the importance of science in psychology. Uh, we talked about empirical researches that we use in psychology um, and so many other factors that are scientific in uh, psychology work with you. But also we ended up talking uh, sort of in detail about the James Webb um, telescope. And now at the end of our conversation, we um, bring the psychology in um, science or science in psychology, neuroscience, and the important of all the researches and statistics. Saide, you were talking about how many, how few people are actual creators of the things, and then there are slightly more people who can appreciate or who understand those things, and then a lot of people who appreciate the science of those things. And I would add too, there is, I think, a certain contingent of people who dismiss the science of the things. You know, I think I was so annoyed to hear um, President Trump talk about the, the COVID vaccine. And I just remember one newscast where he said, and I think this is pretty widely disseminated, where he says, well, I think, I don't think science really knows. And the challenge that I have with that is that 
science may not know. It's like the science that we have for psychology. It's not like we know 100%, like Alex said. But science, the reason for the numbers in science is that we don't rely on just opinion and thinking something is that way because what we know from psychology is that we may believe something to be the case and it really isn't the case. So when we use science to understand something, then we more closely know for sure, as opposed to just having opinion. So I think that's a critical piece. And unfortunately, a number of people kind of tend to dismiss the science. And that's why we see a lot of uh, real wacky beliefs that are out there. Things that just, they, they, they don't make sense and they don't follow science. Some things that's... do make sense, but they don't adhere to science. And those are the things which are pretty dangerous or people Absolutely. can make sense. And sometimes we forget that all these medications out there, they all are based on scientific work that finally they realize it's working and um, the side effects that they find and all of that is based on data based on the statistics and the more you know because sometimes you talk to people they don't see maybe psychology as a science but when you get into it and you know more you realize that every part of the treatment in psychology is based on research is based on statistics is based on data and as Alex also mentioned, in a statistics, there's always room for some error. But also, again, data and statistics has another, on top of that, ways to make those errors to the minimum possible. So when you think about it, everything we do in psychology everything we do in everything in life, pretty much when you think about it, even when you were talking about cooking or baking, even the fact that the dough is ready, for example, for different types of dough, a lot of stuff has to happen in, in the process, in the sequence of process to happen until that final product is out. You know, when you think about it, science is a big part of everybody's life, but some people don't even realize it is. You know, I know Alex wanted to say something. No, I was just thinking of, uh, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely here with you guys. I think it's uh, one of those things where there's so many aspects of this that, like you said, impact everyday life. Uh, and even for our field, it's something that I think a lot of people can even forget in that way. I was thinking particularly about how people can manipulate data in research in that way. And, you know, I definitely, you know, recall in learning different uh, studies related to like medications, for example, uh, or, or maybe something better example is like uh, related to a study about people with depression. It's like, okay, well, we're going to get people who only meet the diagnosis for depression and not people who have depression and anxiety or some other diagnosis. And so you don't always get a pure representation. So science can be manipulated where it could be helpful to some degree, but does it reflect the real world? And, and that's why one of the things uh, I am really, really grateful for in my graduate program 
they really encourage, you know, look at who's doing the study, look at what, you know, maybe influenced them. You know, you always read, you know, was it sponsored by some insurance company? If it was a study related to medicine, you know, be a very attentive consumer of information. Don't just take it and say, okay, well, this article says this is true. It's like, okay, well, let's look at the references. Let's look at who did it. Let's look at other um, research that they did, really trying to get a thorough picture of does this person have an agenda? You know, how were, how are people excluded from the study? All of those things. So you can say, is this a fair representation that is meant to be truly scientific? Or is this somebody trying to use science as a way to meet their agenda or to get their goal achieved in that way. So that's that's a, another important part of science, I think. We can't just take it at face value. We need to reflect and say, what's possibly behind this as well? Also, the sample size uh, and the type of measurement, I mean, all of these factors we know that are important in um, scientific data. And it's absolutely true that um, a lot of details and factors, and that's why we usually rely on meta-analysis rather than, um, you know, small research here and there. So, yeah, absolutely. Maybe you can explain uh, what is meta-analysis for our listeners. Well, my understanding is the sample size is way larger and you take um, a larger um, um, representation of different people, different cultures, uh, depending on what research you're doing and also the type of measurement you do and um, the type of actually research you do. I mean, they're all different factors. Um, we know that in many treatments, um, we either have single subject treatment, we have multiple subject treatment, we have, you know, multiple times that we check the treatment. I mean, there's so many aspects out there um, that, you know, distinguishes between meta-analysis and other types of analysis. My understanding of uh, medicine analysis was like more of a collection of uh, a lot of different studies. What was what was your guys' take on that? Right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Like it looks at it's a looking at a lot of studies and then pulling all those studies together and analyzing collectively all of the studies together. And then is it another those. larger study over that, or is it just analyzing those researches? Well, I think it's a study of studies. It's like taking all this, instead of a, a research study ordinarily might look at individual people and pull together all of their data and learn about it. A meta-analysis looks at all the studies and pulls each of the studies together and then conglomerates those. So the unit that's being studied is a study instead of a person. So that's why the Einzig study about the effect of psychotherapy happened that in another meta-analysis that Glacier and other people did after his research. But it was basically one research that Einzig did and then as a result, 
the meta-analysis that Gleiser and other people did, it wasn't like collective of all other studies, as far as I remember. I don't recall, Alex, you may have, you've got more current knowledge than I do on the research. Yeah, I'm not too sure. I'm not familiar off the top. It sounds familiar, but yeah, I don't want to misspeak on that, so I'm not too sure entirely. Okay. Uh, side A, I'm sure what you're saying is right on. <laughs> no, I'm not sure. I believe you. I believe you know, all you. of yeah. us, no, all of us are referring to our memory. That might not be right, but <laughs> but this particular study, I remember it was huge in psychology because Isaac was saying that after a study that he did, uh, the result of psychotherapy in different sessions with other people who didn't have psychotherapy sessions, um, it wasn't much different. So those that they got so many sessions of psychotherapy compared to those that they didn't, the result was, was not different. But then Glazier and other colleagues uh, actually did a meta-analysis. So perhaps we haven't heard the name of other people, but his study was the base of another study that they did. And as a result, um, we know that psychotherapy was very effective. 80% of people who had um, psychotherapy, they had better results. But anyways, that was in my head. And because I didn't hear any other study except Isaac, I thought, is it possible that one study then over that is another analysis, or maybe they didn't talk about other, um, you know, studies as well. Anyways, that's aside from our conversation. I can figure that out on my own. How is this related to web telescope? <laughs> no, we always talk always. about different yeah. things. But anyways, we are at the end of our program. I want to thank my colleagues and my friends, Dr. Alexandradi and Dr. Rockers for bearing with um, conversation that sometimes we come up with and um, and it's always great to be sitting with them and talking about different issues so I hope our listeners enjoyed uh, listening to us and uh, we come back next week with another topic um, under culture and psychology. گرچه سرد و سخت زیباست موج این دریا گرد و سرگذشتند سرنوشتت سرگذشتند در فراز ملعه باور سفر کن خود را باستر کن همچه حافظ پای 
کوبان و غزل خان لشکر غم را به سوزان بر فلک سفی نمانده این زمانه هر بزن تا بی کرانه سرنوشت را باید از سرنوشت شاید این با کمی بهتر نوشت آشقی را غرق در باور نوشت قصه ها را از کجاییم با برامد که گر روید سر بر نگردد سر نبه قصه از سر نبه قصه از سر